From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up from the March meeting of Ipswich City Council, the flood cleanup and support package. A new enclosed compost facility at Swanbank approved, but will it pass the nose test? CBD cinema rumours, who is spending what on the council-owned Commonwealth Hotel fit-out and extension? And to borrow from Elton John, sorry seems to be the hardest word, after the Mayor called on to apologise to another councillor. Also in this episode, what does the future hold for the decommissioned Eastern Heights Water Tower? It's Friday, March 25, 2022, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Ipswich City Council's March meeting was held on the 24th. Later the same day, I caught up with Mayor Theresa Harding, who was the subject of a notice of motion from Deputy Mayor Nicole Jonick. Councillor Jonick was absent owing to a bereavement, but the item was still considered by councillors. The motion called on the Mayor to offer an apology to the Deputy Mayor over previous comments made at February's council meeting. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Mayor Harding. Thank you for the uh, invitation. The March uh, meeting of council is done and dusted. First up, under matters of public interest, you spoke about the flood clean-up with a great deal of emotion and a flood assistance package was discussed at the meeting. What's council decided is reasonable support for flood-affected businesses and residents? Um, So council is very cognizant. We've been um, face-to-face and door-knocking with with people and businesses as well. So, uh, look, there will be a $250 rebate against rates for those who are impacted. And we're doing it automatically for families. So we know where the the floods went with all the the mapping. But if your house was flooded or your business was and you don't get your $250 rebate, can you please contact council and and we'll assist you there? We're also allowing things such as um, when you – if you have to rebuild your house – um, there are various plumbing and building charges. We will waive those as well. So there's quite a bit of a package, as well as um, we'll be um, doing discounts and, and very flexible paying arrangements for people. There was also a recap on the new tenancies announced for the CBD, including the Commonwealth Hotel. The March meeting has passed a contract for detailed design for about 280000 What will Council get for that amount of money? Yes, yeah, so our much-loved Commonwealth Hotel is coming back to life. Um, but that $280,000 contract with Hutchies um, will be doing the actual detailed design of that $5 million extension to the hotel. And uh, so it's obviously the first step um, for us before we go out to the market for the construction and we're expecting that pub to open up before Easter next year. Even though Council's had this out in the general community for quite some time, the proposed $5 million extension will follow once the final design is approved. Why is Council pushing ahead to add additional facilities to the existing building? Well, that's a really good question, and um, we went out to the market with the the current offering, what was there, and there was there were no takers, and certainly the professional advice that we're getting from um, the experts is the fact that the footprint there was too small. We had an offer from uh, the, the market uh, for if we, if we did put in the five million, and they put in a significant capital contribution themselves, that they would be looking to develop this into a, quite a large offering. It's a really, you know, it's a beautiful extension with a state of the art dining and an entertainment hub. There'll be um, 
indoor and outdoor dining, uh, features a cocktail bar, a, a beer garden and function rooms, and it'll be a really great facility. So uh, we, we, that's why we signed a lease with this organisation, with Oz Hotel. Yes, yeah, so staying with the hotel, as you just mentioned, it, it's, it's previously been broadcast that Oz Hotels will be uh, running the hotel, and you said they're putting in some money. Can you say how much? I'd love to tell you it's a significant amount, but I'm not allowed to uh, under commercial confidence, and that's very frustrating because you know me, Alan. I'm yes. open by default. It's very frustrating. I wish we could, but we. Uh, I always have to think of the rate payers are the investors in the CBD, and I have to do everything we can to maintain um, commercial com- competition. Moving to the other end of the Nicholas Street precinct, where the old Birch Carroll and Coyle cinemas were, or basically still are, they're just not operating. Can you clarify a rumour that's out and about in uh, one media organisation that Hoyts is going to be the successful party? And again, how much is council contributing to the fit-out of the existing cinema space and why? Yeah, look, we've in a due diligence period with a preferred cinema operator. Again, I'd love to tell you. Um, I legally cannot tell you because we are in a procurement um, period. We did go out to the open market, so anyone could have... Um, put in a tender and we are in that preferred um, cinema operator uh, discussions and that due diligence period over the next uh, two months. That due diligence period will um, basically establish the cost sharing between the parties and that will also include the fit-out cost. So this split will be determined on depending on the level of rent, um, the, the share of the turnover and how, you know, and this will mitigate how much is being spent by both parties on the fit-out. So it's a very standard practice in commercial leasing arrangements for landlords and tenants to share costs and there's significant market evidence of similar deals being done in our region and also across Australia. So it can I just be really clear that no agreements have been made to date. We are continuing negotiations. That will happen over the next two months. And they are commercial confidence discussions and negotiations between us. And we are expecting the cinema to open up in Easter next year. One of the stalwarts of Ipswich CBD is Bob Slater. Uh, he's now branded as Terry White Chemist. Well, he actually did that some time ago. Now, he's moving to the prime spot on the corner of Union Place and Nicholas Street after being in the current location since June 2017. Uh, and Bob has been one of the strongest supporters of the uh, redevelopment. What sort of future do you see for uh, Bob and his Terry White Chemist? Oh, we're delighted. Bob and you know, uh, Terry White have been a terrific tenant and they have been with us through the ups and downs. Um, so they do have a, a quite a significant um, space and, and I think they really deserve that. So I think it, it'll fit in really well with what's happening there with the Sushi Hio, Sushi Train as well as the Grab and Go, um, as well as Gelatissimo and that dumping place. So we expect to have uh, tenants there that uh, there's a chemist, there'll be you know, a nail salon, a barber, hopefully a financial institution. So it'd be a good little hub there for when people are popping in to grab something to eat. They can also pop into the chemist as well. You put up a Merrill Minute at the March meeting for an Ipswich 2032 summit. And the big announcement in the past week, of course, that ties into that is the uh, city deal. What does the city deal mean for Ipswich? What are we going to see that's different and new? Yeah, this is new. It's not an election commitment. It's not normal government funding. It's actually a partnership agreement for 20 years between three levels of government. So this was the initial offering. And it, you know, it's not that easy to get three levels of government to agree. But what, what was del- delightful to see is that $10 million has now been put towards the Ipswich to Springfield Central Public Transport Corridor. We know that's our fastest growing part of Ipswich, 70% of our growth. So that's going to come from the Ipswich train station. Uh, down south through you know, Churchill, Yamanto, Deeping Heights, and then obviously punching out um, east to, to Ripley, Swan Bank and, and Red Bank Plains and to Springfield. So uh, I think two years ago we had no one was really pushing for this and for this to, within two years, um, 
for us to get significant funding and to make this project shovel-ready is, is a huge uh, step forward for, for us. And I'd like to thank the state and the federal governments very much for uh, being on board with that. Under the officer's reports at the March meeting, uh, Mayor Harding, item 16.2, wood mulching industries. Mm. There was a great deal of discussion during the council meeting to approve this development application, which is an enclosed compost manufacturing and a biogas facility at Swanbank. Can nearby residents be assured this facility will not produce unpleasant odours? I think, Alan, uh, you've listened to it. You can see the uh, level of scrutiny we councils have on anything like this. At the moment, WMI currently do compost in there and it currently has odours. What they're going to do is called um, investment enclosed so that the composting will be happening inside um, for that first couple of weeks, which is when it's the smelliest. And it also accelerates the process as well. So it will certainly improve what's there uh, without a doubt. And um, I visited... Um, uh, a facility like this at Yatla and I stood downwind and I couldn't smell anything. So, you know, this was a, a real win um, for the residents. We've had a lot of people power, but also council have been very strategic in making sure that, you know, we let them know that we that we'd, we will not let the market do what they're currently doing. So it's great to see WMI and we also saw earlier this year that uh, New Grab will also have their enclosed composting set up by December as well. So um, we're expecting to see significant changes while the state government still um, manage and do... State government look after all the compliance part, but um, we, we're really pleased to see a change in the industry. There was certainly a lot of discussion at the meeting and uh, councillors wanting to claim a little bit of credit, and I'll ask for your opinion on this, for pressure on the waste industry to do better. Do you think council's stance in recent times has produced a better result? When we first formed as a council in, in April 2020, we, we spent a lot of time on, on the big picture projects and one of them was waste. We knew that there's a real problem and, and we didn't sit there and say, we don't want it and just, just winch. We realised that we actually had to roll our sleeves up. We did a lot of study. We, we spoke to a lot of thought leaders. Uh, we were, had a lot of briefings and, and did a lot of research. And at the end of 2020 in December, we launched our Circular Economy and Waste Transformation uh, Directive so that was very much a 10-point directive on this is this is our intent, this is our strategy, this is how we all wish to progress. Uh, we wish to see waste as an opportunity, but also we need to you know, rein in the cowboys as well. Um, so we are working very collaboratively with the state government as well as with the waste industry to get better outcomes. And I think we're starting to see that happen now. It's, it's taken a while, um, but can I just say... People power has been amazing as well. We've got a really engaged community who really want good outcomes too. So that's really helped us as well. The meeting wrapped up with not one, not two, but three notices of motion. Let's talk about about them in order. The disused water tower at Eastern Heights. Now, it, it is a bit of a landmark in Ipswich. Hmm. Does it really need to be saved if it's not being used? I think that's what the notice of motion was about. The notice of motion wasn't making a decision to save it or anything like that. It was asking for an investigation. Let's understand this better and, and what are the costs, what are the, t- uh, the the pros and cons, and that's what your council should be doing. They should be making the, doing the pros and cons and doing the research before decisions are made. So uh, we, I think everyone will be looking forward to um, what's the, um, the outcome of that and, and seeing the research there. I guess the complication there is it was a council asset for many, many mm. decades and then transferred to uh, urban utilities under the, uh, mm. the water mergers when uh, when the southeast Queensland was under terrible drought conditions and now it's not being used at all. It's a glorified tower for uh, mobile phones, I think. Look, there's right next door to it is a tower for mobile phones, but it, it has it has no function whatsoever. And obviously, as it was probably built in the 1940s, it's in a great deal of disrepair. So mm. 
if nothing is done, it'll just disintegrate. So I think, um, you know, we need to um, get onto it. And I think you'll hear with Councillor Doyle when she moved this, she's now part of the Queensland Heritage Council. So she's very much love our heritage. So I think it'd be really good to get the information and see the pros and cons. The second notice of motion was an amendment to meeting procedures policy. Mm. Can you explain why this was put up? Yeah, Councillor Tully put this one up. Just wanted to, I guess, uh, look at running our meetings a little bit differently. At the moment, um, if a council uh, wants to put up a notice of motion, we have to do it five days from when the notice goes up, but now it's going to be five days from when it goes out. So I guess it's, uh, we get two more days to, to do that. Uh, but also there was a line in there which allowed that if the CEO believed that the matter was operational, um, that they could actually say, no, I'm not going to take that notice of motion and, and pass it back. Um, I've looked through the list. There's only uh, a couple of things on that item, and, and each one, each time a, um, a former CEO or a CEO has has told a council that they're not going to put it up, it's because it's been an operational matter, and you, the information they were requesting they could have got from an information request. Um, but I, I, it did pass, and I think it's really important to point out the fact that, and I, and I voted for it as well, that every councillor has gone through a very rigorous job interview process. And, um, you know, I think we very much changed it to enfranchise us more to make sure that we can put up any notice of motion that we would like to put up. Now, the third notice of motion certainly involves you. Uh, it, was put mm. up, it was put up by the Deputy Mayor, Nicole Jonick, calling, mm. for a, calling for an apology from yourself. However, uh, due to circumstances, the Deputy Mayor was absent for the entire meeting, mm. uh, which then led to a very confusing end to the meeting. So what was resolved going forward? Look, what was resolved at the end was that the matter was laid on the table and it'll be looked at uh, next at next month's meeting. Um, the Deputy Mayor, Nicole Jonick, has, has put it on her Facebook. So, you know, she did have um, her mother passed away and and uh, the her funeral was the day before the meeting. So, understandably, she wasn't there at the meeting and so it's only fair. But, yes, it is a, a first time. And also um, the advice from the Department of Local Government is, is the fact that um, the council can't um, force... Um, um, an apology, anyone to make an apology. It's only the Councillor Conduct Tribunal can do that. So, look, I, my personal view is that I think we've got enough on our plate. Let's just move on and, um, and and get on with flood recovery and other parts of our business. But, you know, it is a matter that's a live notice of motion that'll come up next month. And finally, uh, Mayor Harding, this wasn't discussed at the meeting, but it's something that happened during the 2022 flood. A lot of us were very surprised to see once the floodwaters receded that the college's crossing cafe had not been removed from that site. Uh, what has council got to say about why that wasn't removed and saved? Yeah, look, it, um, it was removed in, in 2011 and I guess that's a very good question. It's a, I guess the short answer is that the water came up too quickly for the cafe to be removed safely. Um, it's a complex process, so you have to service like water, electricity, sewage connections need to be removed as well as Fridges and freezers need to be emptied and then the shade cells removed and then the, the cafe needs to be craned onto the flatbed truck. In previous floods, like in 2011, we had several days warning of how high that the water would go to. That did not happen this time. So it was just a matter of the, the fact that we didn't have the notice. And look, I did move that at the next month's um, council meeting that we'll do a, a um, notice of motion to discuss having a flood review. And I think that'd be a really good thing for us to do lessons learned, what we did well, what we didn't do well. And I think it's really, really important for the community to have input into that. And in closing our chat uh, this month, Mayor Harding, the city is looking pretty good overall, considering the devastation the flood caused. The Mud Army, official and unofficial, and the ADF, really did swing into action quite quickly. 
They did. Everyone just did so much, Alan. Um, I know as the chair of the local disaster management group, I'm a bit like the the conductor of the orchestra, um, making sure to ask you the, the police, the fire, the ADS, uh, SES and so on. But can I tell you, um, neighbours looked after each other, families looked after each other. We had a total of over 400 people at the evacuation centre and Department of Housing and Communities were just wonderful. They were able to rehouse people and so we only had to keep the evacuation centre open for 13 nights. Uh, the ADF came out in force and just smashed through. I shouldn't say smashed. They were very good. I mean, they, they got to a large quantity of, of, of clearing. They did it very respectfully and I had a, so much positive feedback from, from residents about um, the, the Army and the, the Air Force. They were really appreciative. And Council have been concentrating on all the smaller tasks with, with the Mud Army. Mayor Harding, thank you so much for talking with Ipswich today. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for the opportunity. And a reminder, you'll find handy links in the show notes, including to Council's YouTube channel so you can watch a full replay of all Council and committee meetings and handy links to meeting agendas and minutes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts. Or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.